Welcome to the DLF Dynasty Podcast with your hosts, Dan Myler, Ryan McDowell, and Matt Price. Yep, we are the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan, that's Ryan. Over there is Matt, and we are coming at you with episode 591 of the show. We got a lot of fun stuff to talk about, a fun startup for sure. Got to talk about a player that we haven't spent enough time on on the show recently. Um, We're talking about disappointing second and third year wide receivers. That'll be a fun discussion. And then we're going to have a strategy session on how to handle the second half of the fantasy regular season, depending on your record. But before any of that, we got to talk to Ryan and Matt. Ryan, how's the weekend, bud? Yeah, it was a good one. It was a good one. Well, it was it was okay. Um, I, I wrote about this in the Dynasty Blueprint on on DLF on Monday that uh, I'm I'm starting to let football determine my mood and fantasy football determine my mood a little bit more. It kind of reminds me of how I, uh, you know, how things were when I first started playing Dynasty. Every time I would lose, I'd be upset. Every time I win, I would I would obviously be in, in a good mood and feeling good and. Um, that's kind of started again recently, so I, I don't really like that. Uh, I'm going to try to. I don't know if that's a good thing. Yeah, it's it's not. No, it doesn't feel like a good thing. Uh, so, so this so is going to sound like good. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I, well, I that's good. It. That means your teams did well. No, um, no. I, <laughs> it, it means I'm trying to break free. That's what it means. <laughs> All right, I, you know, this might sound like I'm preaching or something, but a few years back, I started subscribing to the theory of loving football for football while football's on TV and not thinking about fantasy. So Mm -hmm. I started setting my lineups on Sunday morning, working that all the way up to noon central. I live in the central time zone and dropping the tablet, dropping the phone, dropping the computer and just watching football and enjoying the football. And then usually pre Sunday night football, I'll pick it back up and check some scores and, you know, I know most of my rosters. I I have a general feeling on how well my team is is doing, but that really helped me big time. Enjoy the football rather than uh, getting upset because this guy didn't catch that touchdown or something got took away by the referees or or man, I'm getting slaughtered in this in this league that's so important to me. You know, I, I got back to loving football and, you know, I said I was going to sound like I'm preaching, but it really works for me. So if you haven't tried that, try it for one week. Those of you out there that are in a bad mood or were all day on Sunday, I found it was I was taking it out on my family kind of because I was in a bad mood. And that's yeah. not the reason to that we got into this. Right, Matt? We we got into this because we love football. So I want to love it. And yeah. Being in a bad mood when my son comes to talk to me about something, that's not what this is all about. You know, let, like, let's not do that. Let's uh, let's enjoy the football and then and then react later. Yeah, I've definitely had times where I feel like I'm a little more, I don't know, snappy. Like, you know, I give a one word answer, or like a snarky answer to exactly what a I'm girlfriend, you know, yeah. and like, yeah, because you're in a bad mood or whatever. But I do I do I would do wonder, Dan, because I know we all we all play maybe not every week. Uh, I didn't actually play any this week, but I know we all play these pick em games, whether it's price picks or some of us live in betting states where we could do some betting. Are you really putting like the 
those down too. Cause part of, part of it for me, for playing those games, I mean, yes, it's great to win a little bit of scratch when, when, when things work out for you, but like that stuff kind of enhances the game for me. Cause I do the same thing with my fantasy lineups. I'll check them maybe like after the morning games, maybe after the, 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 the second set of games. And then after the, the, the night games. Right. But those bet, bets that I'm making on those, on those on prize picks, underdog, wherever you're playing, those I'm I'm plugged into, and I'm not sure that that's necessarily a good thing for my psyche either. <laughs> because you lose. I think I had an under on um, on Quentin Johnston this week at 19 and a half yards, and he got 20 yards. That was not uh, did not put me in a good headspace for that one. It blew yeah, up see, like a five, see, I, five I, I can I I can put it aside and and forget about it because I have no control. I don't have any control over it. So I just, yeah. you know, I'm tempted regularly with those uh, with those prize picks games or underdog games, but. Um, the the best thing for me is to stay away until after the fact. I do love, I got to say, this isn't a plug for Underdog, but I do love that they, in their app, send you the cha-ching notification. <laughs> you just won $150. I'm like, yeah, that feels great. It never sends you the notification that you right. just lost $25. <laughs> they don't do that. So, uh, well, we should get to the episode, guys. This episode, by the way, is brought to you once again by our friends over there at League Tycoon. If you guys play in contract dynasty leagues or if you've ever thought about joining one of those contract leagues but were worried that it would be way too much work, then you've got to check out League Tycoon. They have perfected a platform that uh, really for fantasy football, salary cap, and contract leagues – These leagues are super easy to set up and they offer a ton of configuration and management options. League Tycoon's mobile app makes managing your team super easy. In fact, their mobile app might be the best fantasy league mobile app in the industry. It's feature rich, easy to navigate, and doesn't have a lot of distracting features to take away from the pure fantasy football experience. I got I got worked over in my league tycoon league, uh, league this this week by uh, by our guy Eric Dickens. So checking in on the app wasn't that much fun, but it was really easy and it it looked really nice. So that's good. Uh, go to leaguetycoon.com to get more information and download the app. And if you use the promo code DLF when creating a league, your first year is absolutely free. The Startup. Startup this week comes at you from the Thursday night game. I teased it in the open. We got somebody to talk about that we haven't talked enough about recently. That's Travis Etienne, guys. Currently, the RB3 in PPR leagues, RB5 in points per game, averaging 19.7 fantasy points per game. Uh, with 82.4 PPR points over the last three weeks, he's the RB1 over that span, scoring 27.5 points per game. Two touchdowns in each of the last three games. Only player to do that this season so far. And really the big takeaway for all fantasy players out there right now, and that was a spotlight game. Of course, they had the spotlight game a couple of weeks ago when they were over there in London for a couple weeks, actually. Um, we've got to see it. He's getting all the work now. He's averaging 18 carries and four targets per game and leads the league with 127 touches on the season. He's playing 80% of snaps. Meanwhile, Tank Bigsby, who we were all, I would say, concerned with. Maybe maybe we thought he was going to 
chew into that usage early in the season or at least in the preseason, he's averaging less than three carries a game and a half a target per contest. I was looking at DLF rankings earlier, guys, and ETN is currently the RB5 behind this foursome. It's Bijan Robinson, Brees Hall, Christian McCaffrey, and Jonathan Taylor, all names that we want on our dynasty team. He's the RB8 in October ADP, which was gathered a few weeks ago behind those four that I just mentioned, along with Tony Pollard, Jameer Gibbs, and Kenneth Walker. So the question at this point, Ryan, has to be, is Travis Etienne underrated in Dynasty? And how many running backs do you want over him at this point? Well, I think he might be underrated uh, based on those those rankings um, or or the latest ADP, and we'll we'll get some changes to that here in just the next couple of weeks. But if you want to talk about trade value, I think he's you know clearly we're talking about him here in the startup. He's one of the hottest names in Dynasty, and scoring six touchdowns in in three weeks will will do that to a guy, but. As far as how many running backs I want ahead of him, I, I certainly want Bijan Robinson ahead of him. I, I think he's still uh, he, he's locked in at the RB one for me. After that, I think it becomes a conversation. Essentially, I think he's in that that next tier with guys like Brees Hall, um, with uh, Kenneth Walker. I would have up in that range. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, I, I think, is just kind of his own. He's almost in his own tier for me due to his age. Uh, if you want to yeah, argue it's just where you place that tier, right? Right. You can <laughs> you argue that he's RB2 it at two or five. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I, yeah. I think he's almost separate from this conversation. But when you talk about those um, first, second, third year running backs, I think we need to start valuing him with guys like Brees Hall and, and Kenneth Walker. The, the Kenneth Walker name is the one that really sticks out to me because it's similar situations, right? guys that we thought had this big workload and then the draft came in the off season, Matt, and they, they spent high draft capital on fellow running backs, guys that we thought would eat into their workload. Potentially neither one of those guys talking about Charbonnet in in Seattle and Bigsby in Jacksonville have really carved out that role to this point. So when you look at this list of running backs at the top of our ADP or rankings, it, it's really, it is a difficult conversation because every dynasty manager might come to you with a different philosophy or a different theory on why ETN fits where he does. Yeah, I, I've, I've changed my rankings, running back rankings today. I've met running back six. So he's behind Bijan, who is, I think, you know, that, we keep saying he's in a tier of his own Bijan, but maybe that tier is fading a little bit. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. I have A-Chan and Gibbs next in, in their own tier. And then I've got McCaffrey, Hall, ETN, and Walker in the third tier. So he's running back six. Like, he he's just so hard to value. I mean, maybe I'm just I'm, – I'm, I got take lock from the preseason when we just felt like Tank Bigsby was going to be involved and he just hasn't been. But it feels like that situation could flip at any time, uh, especially with a back like ETN who we know have had some injury – uh, uh, injury issues, but I think it was a foot his his rookie year that that, that was causing him trouble. He's obviously clearly healthy right now, but this increased workload. Uh, I mean, it's it's something to behold. He leads all NFL backs fields with eighty percent snap share. 
Uh, he he's getting 97% of all two minute drill snaps. He's sixth in running back rushing share, but with 61% behind only Joe Mixon, Josh Jacobs, Alexander Madison, Kenneth Walker, and Derrick Henry. He's running routes on 63% of Lawrence's dropbacks, which is fifth in the league behind only White, CMC, Bijan, and Kyron Williams. He has an 11% target share, which is 12th in the league. So he's getting a ton of work. Um, which is obviously what we want for fantasy, right? But I, I, I have, I have a little bit of blinders on. Maybe I, I running back six. Does that sound fair to you guys? Like I, I think you can make an argument to have him as high as I don't know, running back two or three, uh, maybe yeah. ahead of McCaffrey because of age. But like that's as high as I really want to put him at this point. I think it's fair to say six. Like Ryan was saying, it's fair to say two or three if if that's how you feel. And really, the. Honestly, you mentioned the injuries and maybe this injury narrative that's out there. I think maybe that's a little bit unfair. He Probably had is. he had the injury in college, right? That that everybody was concerned with and then throughout I think the preseason in his rookie year he struggled and I think that's what you were you were talking about, but he played 17 games last season. Uh, handled the ball 220 times on the ground for over 1,100 yards, only scored the five touchdowns. And of course, the touchdown production is coming this year, but was also involved as a pass catcher, catching 35 balls. Now he's on on target to to blow those numbers out of the water at this point, Ryan. And and if that's the case, and and dynasty managers are starting to value him as a elite running back, not just, not just an RB one, but maybe even elite RB one. When you're out there on the trade market, it's, it's going to be pretty costly to go get yourself a little Travis ETN on your roster. And I was behind the curve, maybe a little bit on it. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not willing to spend what it's going to cost to go get ETN, but I am willing to say he's a top five running back without a doubt at this point. And maybe as high as you guys were talking about, maybe as high as RB two or RB three. Yeah, that's where I am as well. And, um, you know, it's fun to dig into the numbers, especially when a guy's having a a season or a start to the season like ETN is. Matt had some good ones there. Um, Looking at some others, he's fourth in uh, first down, uh, first down carries, 26 of the 26 of his carries have gone for a first down, ninth in missed tackles, forced second in yards after contact, all those kind of go into the whole, uh, you know, the whole resume that he's putting together. But for me, it's really this simple. Uh, one of the numbers that you already mentioned, Dan, he leads the entire league in in rush attempts, 127. He is uh, currently uh, sixth in uh, receptions for running backs with 24. Just that that opportunity, that volume is is really what tells the story for me because this is a guy coming in. You know, he start he had some comps to DeAndre Swift. Like, is he gonna be that part-time player? Is is what type of running back is he going to be? And even when he had uh, was carrying most of the load last year after James Robinson was gone, we still, and I say we because I did this, I, I still made the excuse for him. He's the only guy in town. Now Tank Bigsby's there. Uh, you know, things will change. So I, I was not buying in either, and I, I had my doubts, but um, he's just playing at such a high level right now. Um, you know, even a guy like Calvin Ridley is kind of disappointed. ETN has been carrying that, that offense for Jacksonville. And, and I do think we should be valuing him as a top, uh, I'll say top five dynasty running back, but potentially as high as three. 
Yeah, I'm I'm good with that as well. I, I mentioned I, I, I might have missed the boat on it. I do have him in one dynasty league. It's actually a contract league, but um because I didn't want to miss out completely. Um I bought him a year about a year and a half ago, right? Um so I, I, I'm wondering, Matt, if somebody's out there on the market right now and they say I gotta get some Travis Etienne on one of my rosters, any idea what that's gonna cost at this point? Yeah, there are some spicy trades in the trade finder. Now, remember, he played on Thursday night, so uh, there's none within the last five days or so. Uh, And there's a bunch of trades that happen earlier than these ones, but they're the ones where he's part of a huge package. And they're, you know, we want to boil this down to what ETN is worth. So I've got four here to talk about ETN in a 2024 first. Again, we don't know where that first lies, but that's for AJ Brown straight up. So we're talking the wide receiver three to five in Dynasty. That seems... (laughs) That seems a little bit expensive. I probably still taking AJ Brown there. I don't know if you guys feel differently. I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't really like either side of that one. I'm. I'm going to stay away yeah. from that trade on both sides. <laughs> this one, I think I want ETN. Is ETN for Mango, Jonathan Mango, a first and a fourth next year? Yep, that one. That one. Mm. You're. Pro- that really feels like you're buying him for a first and a late second at this point. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I, I don't think you're going to get him for that in most situations, but I think that's where I'm at on him. I don't really want to pay two, the two first range, but a first and second, I'm on that all day. Two more that I'm pretty sure where we might be on the opposite side of Garrett Wilson straight up for ETN. Typically we're buying the wide receiver, right? In this situation, they're, they're not that far apart in ADP, but um Geez, this production from ETN makes you think twice. I think I'm sticking with Garrett Wilson on that one, though, Ryan. How about you? Yeah, Garrett Wilson still for me as well. But yeah, that's, I mean, it's, I get it, it's right? reasonable. I don't think it's a yeah. bad deal by any means. And uh, the last one here, Travis Kelsey straight up for Travis ETN. Oh, well. I, I mean, that's, a, I mean, that's a hard one, right? Like, I I mean, I, I mean, I, I don't know. You see, make, make it seem like a, Make it seem like I don't think that league that trade there. is going going in any league right now. That'll that won't happen again. That that's such a unique trade. So you're on the Kelsey side. I'm confused. No, that's an ETN side. Okay, pretty easily. But there's not very many Kelsey owners that are are sending him out for ETN right now um, because Kelsey's just dominating at this point as well. So you know that the advantage you, you get there. I, I want the ETN side, but. The people that are Kelsey managers are Kelsey managers. They want them on the team. Um, I was digging around about ETN late in the week after his big performance on Thursday, and Doug Peterson actually had an interesting quote. He said, quote, we've got to be mindful that we're not overworking him, meaning ETN, of course. We've got to get Tank and D'Ernest and Jamichael up and get those guys involved in the offense and get them more touches. We just feel TJ, meaning again, ETN, uh, has the hot hand. We're definitely mindful of the wear and tear on his body as we go. That quote made me think of last season Hmm. when the Jaguars were constantly pounding with with etn and and they were talking about how they needed somebody else in that backfield and now fast forward almost a year later and they spent the third round pick on bigsby and they're not using that young player in the same way that they said they would a year ago 
that could be interpreted one of two ways. Either ETN has leveled up and is playing at yet another level that what they said a year ago does not matter, or the Jaguars may be using, maybe making the same mistakes once again. If you had to bet, Ryan, which side of that would you be on? Are they are they making a sp- mistake and overusing him as a workhorse and, and it'll wear him down? Or is it that they've got to ride him because, because either he's so good or these other running backs, especially Tank, are not good enough? I mean, that's that's so tough to say when it comes to the injury stuff. I, honestly, I think both sides are of that are probably true. Again, it's not just Tank Bigsby, the, the rookie, is not quite ready to, to be a, a strong contributor. Trevor Lawrence is not playing at the level we thought he would. Calvin Ridley certainly is not playing at the level we thought we he would. So this is not ETN picking up the slack for one backfield mate. It's it's for the whole offense. Um, but at the same time, you know they're they're trying to win this division. They're in a very winnable division, and yeah. I think they're going to continue to to ride him and uh, get as much from from him as as they can and. You know, will that eventually result in him wearing down or or dealing with some injuries? I mean, who's to say? Maybe, yeah, like maybe. Um, but we've seen plenty of other running backs be able to handle that heavy workload, you know, year over year, honestly. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, ETN, four RB1 games last year. He already has five this season uh, through seven weeks. So um, he's he's clearly stepped up he he has improved on what we saw a year ago on pace for more than 300 carries and looking like he's he's going to catch more than 50 or 60 passes as well that kind of workload only only a few running backs can do that regularly right uh we'll see if travis etn is one of them let's get to keep moving on we got a we got a good conversation about some wide receivers here coming up Dynasty Rankings. I mentioned it in the open. We're going to talk about some disappointing second and third year wide receivers. And this conversation, guys, was created really to discuss specific specific wide receivers um, and try to identify if there's any buy lows among them or if we're in a really in a in a. Uh, in a time in in the wide wide receiver landscape where wide receivers need to score more and score faster and and do a better job to to create dynasty value quicker in their careers. So we'll go through a list. We got seven of them here listed and start the conversation with a second year wide receiver in Traylon Burks with Tennessee, Ryan, who in September was the wide receiver 35 at 70 overall, but Already in October, fell to wide receiver 45. And if you look and project out for him, really things don't look all that good for him in Tennessee, considering how they run that offense. The other wide receiver, there's really only one uh, there in Tennessee. The quarterback situation and that propensity to run the ball there in Tennessee with Traylon Burks. We're trying to identify by lows, and it, it's kind of hard to get on the, on the by low train with Burks right now it really is for me um I mean Burks is going to 
fit a category that many of these guys we'll talk about here uh, fit in that he's kind of been derailed by injuries through these first, uh, through this first year and a half or so. And, um, you know, while that's unfortunate, it's still a big piece of the, uh, of the puzzle. It's, it's something we have to consider as dynasty managers, especially when considering or when trying to decide if we are going to buy low and, you know, just because a, a, a player has a nice profile um, and, and was a nice prospect at one point doesn't mean we should be taking advantage of the value dip uh, every time. You, you mentioned the questions about the offense uh, in, there in Tennessee, questions about competition, questions about health and, and injury status with Burks. I just don't really see much of a reason to to target him in trades right now. And Burks struggled as a rookie, really. There, there were a couple games, I think, where he he made a slight impact or at least uh, sparked that offense, made a play, a splash play that made you think that's why I drafted him in the first round in a dynasty rookie draft. But across 11 games a year ago, just 33 receptions on 54 targets for 444 yards and a touchdown, there just hasn't been enough yet. And and Burks is a fun conversation because the next running back or excuse me, wide receiver that we need to talk about is Rashad Bateman, who is really on a similar trajectory as or Burks is really on a similar trajectory as Bateman. There were some splash plays in his rookie year. He made enough of an impact that going into year two, he was projected as as a, a wide receiver we really wanted on our roster. In September, he got up again in, in in year three to wide receiver 46, but since then has fallen to wide receiver 62, Matt. Bateman was a guy, or is a guy, really, that you've supported here as recently as in the preseason. But now he's back healthy, he's on the field, but he's just a guy among a bunch of guys in Baltimore, and he's not making an impact. His dynasty value is as low as it's been, really. Yeah. I mean, he had that was, I don't even remember. Was it a Liz Frank or some kind of foot thing uh, that he got injection for? And it was bad news right away. He got some positive buzz right before the season, Um, but it hasn't materialized. I mean, Nelson Aguilar has been playing him at this point. He's, you know, he's, he's only uh, is high on uh, in terms of target percentage is 15%. And that was way back in week one. He's averaging 9% target share on the season and week seven, just now he only ran 42% of the route. So he's clearly not, you know, he's not it for the, for the, for the, for the Ravens. And I definitely added probably more shares than I should have this off season. So that was a mistake. I do want to push back a little bit on, on Burks though, uh, in the last game that we saw him, he had a 26% uh, target share, 20, uh, 0.26 targets per route run. He's running almost 80% of the routes in that one. And that's with, uh, and that's with DeAndre Hopkins also in that mid to upper 20s target share range. So uh, we see Burks with an with a, with a incredible ADOT on um, like 18, 18, 20.5 in week two, uh, averages 16 and a half for the season. So th- I think the usage is there. Like the, the, the problem with him, I think, is that they're not really kind of giving him those short, easy targets, which, you know, as, as a collegiate player who was very raw in terms of route running, 
uh, you know, it certainly could make down the field plays, but a lot of screen passes, a lot of short stuff from in college, you get the ball in his hands and then you let him work after the catch. And we're just not seeing that with this offense, which with a guy like Tannehill, you, and, and, you know, the, even if we're now we're around to Malik Willis and maybe Will Levis at some point, you think these guys are ones that would want to get it out short and quick. And he's just not been the, the, the beneficiary of that. That's been mostly Tajay Spears. Right. So um, I do want to buy Burks for a little bit if I can get him for a second, but Bateman at this point, I think, I mean, if, if I could get a second for selling Bateman at this point, I would definitely sell. I don't know if you can really even get that. But for Burks, for for a late second on a contender, I think he's worth a stab in, in case he gets healthy here and, and turns it around for the um, the rest of the season. Rashad Bateman has not scored more than 8.2 he's fantasy terrible. points in a game since week two uh, of last year, of last year. So, yeah. um, again, injury issues with Bateman and, unfortunately, consistent injury issues uh three years in the league three uh three different stints at least three different stints actually uh of missing time and uh the i feel like the team kind of told us what they thought of bateman uh by drafting Mm -hmm. zay flowers by signing odell beckham to way more money than anybody else was going to give him and you know the titans kind of did the same thing bringing in hopkins clearly uh, clearly, Traylon Burks was not enough. They they needed something else there. But, um, Dan, I think you make a good point. I do think Burks is kind of on the Bateman path. And right now we're kind of looking at Bateman and thinking he's nearly worthless. And, and I think we're not far from that with Traylon Burks right now. Yeah, they're they're on the same trajectory. Let's talk about another wide receiver. It's Elijah Moore, of course, moves from New York to Cleveland. And there was some hype in the preseason process. We we expected more to mix in there for the Browns. And really, he has, right? He's He's been a big part of that offense. He's running routes. He's on the field. But he hasn't been that all that impactful. And I think all of us here on the podcast, we've all been um, Elijah Moore fans to some extent, but the third year receiver through six games has just 25 catches on 43 targets for 226 yards. Hasn't found pay dirt just yet. And Moore has, you know, honestly, he had it at a wide receiver, 44 ADP in September. That's fallen all the way to wide receiver 55 because there's just not a lot of room for him to be impactful in Cleveland when he's running drag routes and quick stops and shake routes three and four and five yards from the line of scrimmage. If if you're a Elijah Moore manager at this point, Ryan, you got to be shaking your head and thinking, I didn't sign up for wide receiver nine on my dynasty depth chart when I drafted Elijah Moore a few years ago. Yeah, I think it's just become a, a question of what is his ceiling? Uh, does he ha- does he really have a ceiling that's worth investing in? Uh, did have those three wide receiver one games as a rookie, and uh, then yeah. then we spent all of last year only making, show in town, right? We spent last year making excuses and and, and cursing the the, the Jets uh, coaching staff for not getting more uh, on the field and, and getting him more involved, and now we've seen new situation, new coaching staff, new quarterback, new offense, and kind of the same old Elijah Moore. You know, he's going to get you nine fantasy points a game, and uh, it, I think he's worth a roster spot. I think he's more than a roster clogger, but I don't think he's a weekly fantasy starter either. He reminds me a little bit of Darnell Mooney in he, Chicago. Yeah, a, a guy that 
that he was the only show in town as a rookie. He got some hype and, and moved up dynasty, uh, dynasty draft boards and, and rankings because of it. And as soon as somebody else got to town, as soon as somebody else could take some of that attention away, just kind of faded. I've never been a Mooney guy. There was a point when I thought, man, I, I remember Elijah Moore in the pre-draft process thinking he might be all right, but I'm not sold. And then throughout his rookie year, I thought to myself, oh, I, I should have gone with my gut. He was, he has it. And I got duped, to be honest. Yeah. Mooney was the other side of it. So I think I've been on, on each side of this. I just, I just wonder if that Elijah Moore that we saw as a rookie when he was downfield making plays, does that still exist? Or is every front office right now in the NFL and every coaching staff thinking to themselves, this guy is a slot player or a, maybe not a slot guy, but a, but a close to the line of scrimmage possession receiver and not that guy that can make plays for us down the field and in the red zone. That seems to be what's been happening the last couple of years. The, the concerning part for Elijah Moore for me is that, you know, he is getting the usage, you know, it's not, it's different than the Bateman scenario. He's getting the usage. He's averaging the same 86% route participation on the season as Amari Cooper is. He has a 21% target share on the season to Amari Cooper is 23%. So it's not like he's not getting the opportunity. He's just not producing. He's the wide receiver 72 on the season. He's had one double-digit game, 11.8 points in, in week three, and uh, a nine-point game. Other than that, he's been under seven, basically. So he had a two-point game in week four, 6.7 in week six. So he's he's struggling to produce on the opportunities giving him, and that's the concerning part. It's not like we're concerned about his usage here. It's He's getting plenty of opportunities. Yeah, and I, I misspoke there. Mooney's big season, of course, was in year two. He was pretty good as a rookie as well, but had two years as the guy or one of the guys with Allen Robinson banged up in Chicago. Um, but feels like the same kind of player. I'm just not in on Elijah Moore anymore. Speaking of Moores that we're not in on, Sky Moore certainly, uh, certainly fits the bill there. Sky Moore is, you know, there was so much hype, Matt, around him in Kansas City with the quarterback and the offensive guru, uh, that is Andy Reid, but Sky Moore has done nothing but disappoint. And there's been a lot of dynasty managers out there that have backed him, stayed behind him, even called him a buy coming into the season when he was wide receiver 41. Once again, he slipped 20 spots to wide receiver 61 over the first month, month plus of the season. And you can't blame dynasty managers at this point. He's almost worthless. Just 13 catches over seven games on 24 targets uh, for 160 yards. If if there's a jag on the Chiefs, it's <laughs> Sky Moore, it feels like. Yeah, he's he's not good. Nine per, like you you do we keep doing this with Kansas City, right? There's nobody stepping up, although I think we need to talk about Rashi Rice again. Yeah, yeah. Point. Wait, he wait a second on that. Definitely standing that up. Now. <laughs> but Sky Moore, uh nine percent target share on the season. The peripherals are bad. He's not He's not getting the opportunities probably because he's he's just he's not good. Um, so I I mean I don't know what you do with Moore at this point. He's the he's the roster cogger, right? Like can you can you are you moving him for a third round pick? Can you get a third round pick? Like like that's where we're at with this guy, right? So we're I, I don't we have to go back to where we were pre draft process on Sky Moore, I think, because there wasn't that much hype. There there was a little bit of 
I don't know, remember if it was like senior bowl or there was something out there. And I just never got on board with the Sky Moore thing. It, it didn't feel right. And then he landed in Kansas City with second round draft capital and the dynasty community went berserk. I, there just wasn't enough for that, in my opinion. And we as a group, Ryan, earlier, you said we meaning you as well. This wasn't a we meaning me. This is a we meaning everybody else in the dynasty space, it feels like. Went crazy over Sky Moore, and he cannot get separation. That's not a new thing. That's not like that wasn't happening in college at Western Michigan and at a lower level. He 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 was an athletic player at that level, but it was clear. He, it wasn't like he was blowing by DBs, Matt. When we, when we go back and watch the tape and go back to what we said leading up to the draft, those things weren't there, but we convinced ourselves that because it was Mahomes and Reed and Kansas city, that something would change. It's, it's not going to change. It, it, it's just like, he was one of those drum beats that didn't pan out. Right. Like oftentimes we get excited, but happens in the off season. Uh, the the, yeah. the the hype builds and builds and builds and because it's Kansas City we got in over our heads on that one and you know maybe we got to stop we maybe we got to stop paying uh close attention to these guys that Patrick Mahomes is talking up whether it's Clyde Edwards or or Sky Moore I think he's had some positive up with with Tony as well so Patrick you're you're hurting us here buddy Ryan, you talked last week about Jahan Dotson with the Commanders. I think you mentioned him as a buy, a guy that we need to stay patient with. If you watch the game on Sunday, we have to preach patience with Jahan Dotson Gosh. because he he did create a little separation. There was drops. There drops. Was, there was opportunities for big plays that that he just didn't come up with that really hasn't been in his profile going all the way back to Penn State. This is not a good situation right now. He was wide receiver 24. So so a low-end wide receiver 2 in Dynasty just a month and a half ago. He's slipped to wide receiver 37 now. There are redraft players outright dropping Jahan Dotson. There are Dynasty managers trading him for, for pennies on the dollar. Dotson, through seven games, has just 22 catches. Caught the one touchdown, but hasn't reached 200 yards on those 22 balls that he's caught. There's there's those out there that blame the quarterback, that he doesn't throw it outside the numbers. They're blaming the offensive coordinator, that he's a super spreader and spreads the football around. I, I don't know what it is with Dotson. I love the athlete. Going back to the draft process, he is a very good player that can create separation, create space. But if you watch the game on Sunday, he created that space and then dropped the pass. So there's just not enough there to – there's certainly not enough to put him in his, in our lineup. Is there enough to go out there and buy him? Would you call him a buy low still a week later after I think you did that a week ago? Yeah, I, I told our uh, editor to delete that section. So I don't <laughs> I don't know if that uh if that made it out there or not, but uh <laughs> So I, I you're said, out. You you're out on it. Well, I I'm not all the way out. I mean, of the names we've talked about, Burks, Bateman, Elijah, and Sky Moore, Dotson's the one I still like the best, but he's also the one that we invested the most in. As you said, he was a, a low-end wide receiver, too, six or eight weeks ago, which feels feels crazy. Um, I think you're right, even though I did just make some of those excuses that you mentioned just a week ago. 
you know, when you go back to the back to the NFL draft, he was drafted much higher than any of us expected, which is kind of true of guys like Sky Moore and Elijah Moore. Like, you know, maybe maybe we just got fooled a little bit into buying into that draft capital too much that he's a mid first rounder. He's going to take over for Terry McLaurin. He led the team in touchdowns last year. Uh, so so lock him in moving forward. I guess I would I would still give a second for him, I guess. But that's that's kind of the best, uh, you know, the best endorsement I can give at this point. Yeah, I think I think that's where I land as well. And I think that can get it done in some leagues. I'm, I'm just not sure that if if we keep the status quo in Washington and we keep this coaching staff and, and really this offense um it it might not be it might not be a good thing for more than yeah. more than just this year um let's move on to the next guy it's christian watson of the packers matt wide receiver 16 in september fell to wide receiver 23 in our m- most recent adp watson is a is an interesting case for sure because of the the blow up games that he had a year ago, especially late in the season with Aaron Rodgers hitting him on those deep balls. That hasn't really, that hasn't really came to fruition with Jordan love throwing him the ball. Of course he's battled injuries, had the, had the, um, I think it was a hamstring strain a year ago that kept him out. And then he re-aggravated again and missed a couple more games, then blew up down the stretch. Now this year, same thing hamstring injury uh late in in the preseason missed a handful of games and is still honestly looks like he's getting his feet wet had the one touchdown grab but just eight receptions on 16 targets for 143 yards across these three games since he returned matt christian watson is a player that dynasty managers thought they were they maybe getting a boom bust guy but at least there's going to be some booms and we haven't seen that now since Jordan Love took over under center. How do you feel about Watson as your wide receiver two, wide receiver three, which is where he has been in ADP recently? Yeah, I think Watson, along with Burks, in my opinion, I think you guys probably disagree, but like they're they're the, they're they have the talent, but the situation is real bad. And I, you might disagree with me, Dan, but I just don't think Jordan Love has it in terms of his ability to throw it down the field. We keep seeing poor decision making at the end of the last game, uh, especially the last two games have been two against two of the worst pass defenses in the NFL. And he Jordan Love just not he's just not getting it done. And you know, Watson this past game, three target or three catches on five targets with twenty seven yards. That's not what we're looking for for this guy. Um if they're going to play the short game like they did against Denver, it seemed like he had a bit of training wheels on kind of like they were doing a lot of, a lot of short targets, which is not really Jordan loves game. Uh, why aren't we getting more of those to Christian Watson in space? You know, so there's, there's a lot mm-hmm. going on here. Like I want to bet on the talent with Christian Watson. I just think the play calling is not really uh, maximizing his talents. We know what he can do. Well, he's the, he's that dynamic size speed combo that can either win, you know, after the catch on short targets or win deep with his speed and size. And that's the, neither of those things have been happening since he's been healthy. So I don't know if that's necessarily on the floor, if it's just they, they don't think Jordan Love can do it, what it is, but 
Um, he's one that I'm still like out of all of these players on this list. He's one, maybe it's a Packer fan thing. I don't know. Um, but he's the one on this list that I am not really that down on, uh, mostly because of the injury situation. Um, and I think that love is not long for a Packers and being in a Packers uniform. You, you said you're not down on I'm not as down on Watson because of the surrounding circumstances, injury and quarterback play and play calling and stuff like that. I think that makes me more down on him. Honestly. I mean, he suffered the, you know, I guess we're still waiting to hear some details on this. Hopefully not, not bad, but suffered a knee injury uh, late in Sunday's game and another right, um, right knee injury. Right. And this is, he's already had due to a poor throw by, by Jordan Jordan love. I I think he's had two uh, knee surgeries on his right knee already even the hamstring issues were on, on the right leg. So I'm Christian Watson to me is the number one cell, sorry, number one cell on this list uh, because he's the one that still has the most value. And I'm, I'm as worried about him as really anybody else on here. I would agree with the cell portion of that, but I think he's, I, I also think he's the most talented on this list. So it's, it's a tough one. Yeah, that's fair. I'm I'm concerned. I, I'm concerned about the injury history for sure. You're right. It's all on the right side. And really, he just can't he can't stay out of the training room. And mm. and that's a problem for dynasty players and, and for him, to be frank. Last thing before we move on, guys. It this conversation, we've had it. We've talked about all these players. Does does this does this mean we should get less patient with incoming rookies ryan you you think about this rookie class right now should we should we transferring any of this data towards the 2023 class or even next year to the 2024 class well i think you're always going to be able to cherry pick cases where players specifically receivers uh sure i've been racking my brain who's the last one that had really poor year one and two and then broke out though well, I mean, everybody wants to talk, to talk about Devonte Adams, your your, your guy. Yeah, but, um, that, that was a while. It's been a minute. It's been Emmanuel a little Sanders. while ago. <laughs> well, oh my I mean, gosh, we're talking Emmanuel about guys Sanders closer to retirement play. than you know than currently. These teams are moving on from these players faster. So should we be? And, That's and really I think the we, I think we should be as well. And I think we are honestly. I mean, it it wasn't that long ago. I mean, it, it'll feel. It feels like a lifetime ago, but it wasn't that long ago where we waited until year three to see if these receivers were, were actually going to uh, be quality NFL players and, and quality fantasy and dynasty assets. And and now we're we're giving up on them long before that. And I mean, even think about the conversations that we've had and that everybody in the space has had about Jackson Smith and Jigba and Quentin Johnston. Should we give up on these two guys uh, because they're starting out slow, slowly, and then. Even, you know, Jonathan Mingo, round two pick in the NFL draft, late first, early second round pick in in, in Dynasty rookie drafts, already honestly feels worthless in Dynasty leagues uh, because he hasn't really done anything and has also battled some injuries already through the first two months of his NFL career. Um, so should we be less patient? I think we I think we are growing less and less patient with these players. And, you know, based on the data, 
what they show us in year one is is typically what they are. So I think it's I think it's okay actually to uh, try to move on, especially while they while these guys do still have some value. Although a couple of these guys, Elijah Moore, Jahan Dotson, uh-huh. Christian yep. Watson, did have did have good rookie seasons. We would say there there were at least at least moments where we thought, oh, that's the guy I drafted, and we want to hold out you, the the naturally or naturally your inclination is to hold out and and ride this thing out. And, and if he becomes the next Devonte Adams and you traded him for a second, wow, do you feel bad about that? It, you know, not suggesting any of these guys will be, but that that's a difficult pill to swallow if something like that happened. Sure. But I, I think, I think most, if you do that every time, I think you're going to come out ahead in most cases. Um, and honestly, even it's it's easy to say hindsight or in hindsight right now. But Watson, Dotson, and Elijah Moore, I, I wouldn't even say they had good rookie years. I would say they had good spurts in their rookie years. Um, yeah. All three also dealt with injuries a, as rookies. Um, so, which is another yeah. factor yeah. that we the, have the to sign, think about. The signs were there. <laughs> Uh, we need to get to our strat chat, guys. This is a fun conversation, one we're going to continue into years and years beyond. Strat chat. We are halfway through the regular season of our fantasy season, and it's time to choose a course of action. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about where you are as a fantasy team based on your record, maybe how you're scoring as well. And try to try to pinpoint how dynasty managers should move forward. So let's talk about the the elites, the the teams that are doing well in your fantasy league, Matt. Either you're you're seven and zero, you're six and one, you're scoring high. Maybe you're even five and two, and you feel good about where you are. If you're towards the top of your standings based on record, what are you doing right now to improve your chances of winning the league? Which is which is really what we're all trying to do. Yeah, you know, there's a I think there's a tendency to kind of stand pat and I don't necessarily think that's a bad move depending on what your roster makeup looks like, but there are things that you I, think I, it is a mistake to stand yeah, pat. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a a huge mistake that dynasty managers regularly let the second, third and fourth place team catch up by making deals because they think yep. this I'm I'm the lead dog. I'm I'm going to win this thing. One of one of my favorite quotes, ideas, comments I've ever heard in regards to dynasty leagues and dynasty trading came from Sean Siegel uh, a couple of years ago, a few years ago when he was on uh, a podcast with me. And essentially, I'm going to botch his exact quote, but essentially he said, every time a dynasty trade happens in your league, your chances of winning the title just decreased. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I love that. involved in it. If you were not involved. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I remember it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that because, you know, in some ways it feels very obvious and, but it was also not, not a way I'd ever uh, framed it or thought about it. But it, you know, if, if the three of us are in the league and you two make a trade, no matter who won the trade, who lost the trade, maybe it was fair and it helped both sides. I'm, I'm the one standing pat and doing nothing. And at least one of you, got closer to a, a title because of that trade. Um, I, so that, I'm kind of with Dan there. I guess I would say I agree with that if it's, you know, depending on the time frame we're talking about. Like if we're talking about just this season, 
I mean, I don't have I don't have any numbers on this, but I would I would guess that as we get closer from this point in the season, that most trades that happen are going to be that that are going to affect that thing that Sean said are going to be trades between contenders. And that doesn't really happen as often, at least in in my experience. It's more like as we get towards the end of the season, it's rebuilding teams trying to ship off producing assets to contending teams and vice versa. So. Well, I think Dan's I would point is if you're letting if you're in first and you're letting the second place team pillage the trade for, oh for sure yeah, yeah if you're letting them get your the, chances uh, went down right especially and, if you're like so so I guess the play the type of players that I want to talk about on contending teams are the ones that you know are you going to make moves for those elite assets like the ones that are scary because they they may only have. Uh, um, you know, a year or two, maybe even only this year in the case of guys like Kelsey. Uh, so guys like C- Christian McCaffrey, Tyreek Hill, Cooper Cup. Like if you're in a spot where you are one of these top uh, these top teams, five and two or better, and you have a very young roster and your plan was to build for the long term, like these are especially are the assets that you really need to try to go to get, even if they are on contending teams or teams that thought they were contending and may not be. Those are the kind of moves that I think really make waves. Um, and where I would be going. I think the only other the other direction you could go is if you're a strong team like this and you have a deep roster. Uh, I mean, my move is generally to maximize my starting lineup. Like the, I want the ten best players I can possibly have. And if an injury hits, you know that sucks, but that's what's going to happen. I want to maximize my chance to win. But I think the other thing you could do is if you are a strong contender like this and you have a deep roster, you have say thirteen fantastic starters. You start moving some of those guys for future picks or. Uh, a youth to kind of accelerate your continuance as a dominant team and not sitting back with just a very old roster um, that may win this year, but it may not. And then you're in a bad spot next season. There's probably, there's probably a few points I could make based on that agreeance and maybe even a disagreeance in there. I think my main point out of what I said is you, you need to be trying to improve every single week, especially when you're the number one team in the league, whether that be the the out of nowhere free agent that, that you can add through waivers or doing what I started doing a handful of years ago. And it really changed how I look at my leagues. I look at every single, and I probably don't do this in every single league I'm in, but in my, especially my most important leagues, I look at every single roster every single week. I look it over. I look at their how they're scoring. I look at what their record is. Try to get in the mindset of that manager and see if I can capitalize on it somehow. I consider myself a pretty good trader. In fact, I've had many dynasty managers in leagues I'm in tell me, man, you, you botch some stuff, but you can trade. You, you win way more trades than you lose. And I know that's true because managers regular send me message or messages or text me and say and comment and complain about a trade I just made. And it's not because I spent send out a whole bunch of lopsided trades that that dynasty managers get angry with. It's because I try to get in the mindset of the person I'm going to try to try to trade with. And and it works out for me regularly. So when I am a 7 and 0 team, a 5 and 2 team and and leading the league in scoring, I want to look at every single roster and find the player that they're thinking about trading and make them an offer that they could, that, that I would take if I was in their shoes. How about if you're in the middle of the pack, Matt, let's say you're on the fringe, you're, you're three and four, you're four and three. 
you're scoring well, and it's time to make a decision on the season. If you're there and you feel good about your team, but not great, in general, how are you reacting? Yeah, this is the toughest place to be in because, you know, it feels it's it, in some in some places it feels wrong to go in either direction, right? Like, you know, you're scoring really well, but your record isn't great or the or vice versa. You have a decent record four and three, but like you're scoring in maybe like the, the seven to nine spot, you know, so like I think the, the way you're scoring, maybe looking at your all play record, how you're faring there is where is where I'm looking at it. And it really depends on the makeup of the team. Like it, you, you have to like, like everything in Dynasty, it just depends, right? You, you kind of have a feel for whether or not you're going to make it in as the sixth spot and then just, you know, kind of fizzle out in the, in the first round of the playoffs on teams that I feel like that about, like I'm definitely going the other way. I'm trying to sell off these assets. I'm, I'm probably selling off the, the, the Kelsey's and Christian McCaffrey's and Tyree kills of the world on those teams. If I just don't think that I'm scoring well enough to really make some noise in the playoff. But on the other other hand, if I am scoring well, then I'm trying to make moves for the guys to give myself um, a better opportunity to, to, if not move up in the standings to at least make some noise in that first round as like a fifth or sixth seed. Um, and this is really where you really need to pay attention to your, the settings in your league. How many, how many uh, positions are determined, how many playoff spots are determined by points? Uh, are they all determined by record? If they're determined all by record and less by points, I'm probably more likely to go into to a, maybe not a rebuild mode, but a retool mode. That's all good advice for sure. I, I think uh, to add to what you said there, I think lots of teams, the easy thing to look at is your record, right? That's what every manager looks at. I, I look at my record. Oh, I'm three and four. I'm in eighth place. I'm probably out of it. We'll see what this week brings. The next thing, the next level of thinking probably is scoring. What you mentioned there, Matt. How, how, much, how am I scoring? Oh, I'm sixth in scoring, but I'm eighth in the standings. So... So maybe I'm a little better than I thought. Oh, I'm I'm third in scoring, but I'm I'm seventh in standing. I'm I'm a good team. I should go for it. I think all those. Th- I've seen so many teams that are third in scoring, but they're the most inconsistent scorers in the league, and that that's not a good place to be. Honestly, we're trying to win three games in a row at the end of the season. So I think looking at your consistency, actually going through your schedule and looking at how you scored based on every other team in the league. Every week is important. Another thing that I try to do every week, certainly do in my most important leagues, is look every week. Where did I rank in scoring? I'm consistently the third, fourth, fifth scorer in the league. This is a team I should go for. Oh, I had one number one week. I had a number 12 week. I had a number seven and a number nine and a number three. That's an inconsistent team. That's That team's unlikely to go on that run that's going to win you the title. So that can that can help you out if you're in the middle of the pack. It's not certainly the be all end all. And injuries and and player availability is going to be part of that conversation, but uh, certainly something to consider. Let's go to the final stage of things. If you're on the other end of things, Matt, and you're you're zero and seven, zero and seven paints a pretty clear picture. But maybe two and five or one and six, but with good scoring. Where, where are you at here? What are we trying to do? What are we trying to yeah. accomplish? Yeah, this is the the ob- like most of the time it's the obvious rebuild section, right? This, no, there's not really any nuance there. I think where the nuance is is again knowing your playoff settings because I actually have a team uh, this season that is 
going to be two and five is one and five is going to win this week, but it's second in the league by scoring and scoring by a large margin. So sometimes that schedule variance just hits. And in this particular league, I know the final two playoff spots are determined by points and I feel like my team is good. So I am going to, I'm going to go for it in this one. In fact, I traded for Travis Kelsey just a, just a few weeks ago to try to uh, boost that scoring up even more. Um, so uh, unless you are that, that kind of team, that's a one and six, two and five, and your playoff spots has a, a one or two spots that go to the high scorers that didn't get in based on record. I think if, if neither of those things are too, are correct, then like you're, you're obviously rebuilding at this point and you're trying to acquire picks. And if you can't acquire picks, cause you know, the later we go in the season, picks are more difficult to acquire because we're getting closer to rookie season. So maybe you're going for youth uh, instead of that. Ryan, you really only jumped in on the early part of the conversation for those seven and O teams. I'm guessing that's probably cause you just win all the time, right? <laughs> Draw your own conclusions. <laughs> Anything to add to the rest of it, bud? You know, if, if we're if we're looking at the trade market, if we're trying to get better, decide where we're at. What what's what's the first thing you think of? Well, I mean, I, I think obviously you guys made some good points with with those teams on various levels. I, I mean, I find myself struggling, I guess, most with those teams that are in the middle. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, even though it's obvious and Matt said at the middle is the worst place to be, right. You either want, either want the high finish or the high draft pick. And, um, I I look at some of those teams and like, Oh, this, you know, I I know these guys are going to turn it around and and I have really no evidence to, uh, to, to support that. So a lot of times I find myself kind of riding it out and waiting a, a couple weeks longer than I should have. So, uh, I guess I would say, don't do that. I'm going to try to do better. Um, yeah. Start started the show with some uh, some struggles that I have, and now here we are doing it again and to to wrap yeah. up the show. So I'm going to try to get better this week in my mindset, in my trading practices, and analyzing my teams, and and then, uh, hopefully report back next week. Such would good you advice. guys say? Would you guys say that in the middle, like most of the time, you should probably just start playing for next season, like most in most scenarios? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, definitely over 50% of yeah. the time. You should start playing for next season because I think Ryan mentioned it earlier, the early exit is p- painful. And if you know that's coming, why not just sidestep that? Yeah. Uh, Ryan said there, analyzing your team. Take a, take a real hard look at your team, honest look at your team. Don't be pie in the sky and everybody's going to turn it around like Ryan mentioned there. Try to be honest and decide where this team is and where it projects to go um, because that that's what's going to set you on the correct course. Um, that's gonna that's it for our time, guys. This was a fun episode. We got to a lot of stuff. We're going to hit some more next week as well. We hope you won your dynasty matchup and you're all in that 7-0, 5-2, 6-1 category. But if you're not, Stick with us for the rest of the season. We're going to continue to guide you, get you going in the right direction. So uh, next year, you can start your dynasty. For Ryan and Matt, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to this episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We'll catch you again next week. Thank you for listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.